Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Russian President Vladimir Putin called the U.S. dollar's drop in dominance, quote, objective and irreversible during the recent BRICS summit in South Africa as Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa formally agreed to use local currencies instead of the U.S. dollar. It's the first shoe to drop. As demand for the dollar weakens, the buying power of the dollar also weakens. That's why Birch Gold Group is busier than ever. Investors and savers are looking to harness the power of physical gold held in a tax-sheltered IRA. Text Monica to 989-898 for your free info kit on gold. Thousands of happy customers, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and countless five-star reviews, you can count on Birch Gold to help you navigate transitioning an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. As the U.S. dollar continues to receive pressure from foreign countries, digital currency, and central banks, arm yourself with information on how to protect your savings. Just text MONICA to 989-898 to claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group right now. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley, and this is the Monica Crowley Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on Wednesday, hump day, in the middle of this just absolutely incredible week. We've got a lot coming at us. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also, the email address is Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Podcast at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming. I read them all. I see them all. And we're going to get to your emails at the end of the show as usual. All right, today I want to take apart where we are politically right now. We had a few big debates last night, and I want to talk about where we are uh, because the picture just darkened dramatically, dramatically for the Democrats. Plus today, as promised, we are going to talk to an up-and-coming political rock star, someone whose name you absolutely need to know because he's not just going places. He is so good that he could go all the way to the very top. You will hear it first right here on the Monica Crowley podcast directly from him. That's coming up here in just a few minutes, plus, as I said, your emails. But first, the Monica Memo. Last night, we had a couple of really big debates. In Pennsylvania, the Senate candidates, Dr. Mehmet Oz and John Fetterwoman, went head to neck. (laughs) I cracked myself up with that one, head to neck. And in New York, gubernatorial candidates Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul sparred. So you know what, guys, and and I want to sort of take these apart because they're emblematic of the bigger picture all across the country. We have had other big debates in the past couple of weeks. And in every case, every case, the Republican candidate outperformed. Every Republican has done remarkably well. Even when the expectations were relatively low for them, they have all done incredibly well by having a great command of the facts, having the truth on their side, and by fighting back. I can't tell you how important that is. I mean, we all recognize it now, and it was Donald Trump who showed us all the way by pushing back, fighting back, not giving a single inch 
to the Democrat communists and being unafraid of the media and what they might say about you. Donald Trump smashed through all of that, created a brand new paradigm for the new right. And so all of these Republican candidates, they are America first. They are out there completely fearless in championing their positions, championing America first, and pushing back on all of the bias and lies that are constantly coming at them. They do not allow their Democratic opponents and or the left-wing moderator in these debates to get away with their lies and their insane agenda. We are the new right. All across the country now, Superstar Republican candidates like Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, J.D. Vance, Herschel Walker, Adam Laxalt, Kelly Shabaka, and so many others, they're all out there proudly and unapologetically America first, and they are fearless in their pushback. The battle has at last been joined This is a thing of absolute beauty. We have been waiting for this a long time. When Trump was out there, he was pretty much the only one doing this, right? He was the only one pushing back fearlessly, just flinging away the the arrows and the bullets coming at him constantly. And we were all out there cheering him on, but his fellow Republicans, many of them, I mean, some of them stood up and defended him and, and really tried. But there were so many others who took a step back to see how it was going to play out. Trump, of course, is a very unique personality. But so many of them just said, let's wait and see. I want to observe Donald Trump doing this fearless pushback all the time on the press, on the Democrats, on the globalists. Let me see how this plays out before I also adopt that strategy. Well, now we've seen that it played out pretty damn well for Donald Trump and for America. He completely smashed the paradigm of what is expected and desired by not just the Republican base, but disaffected Democrats and a hell of a lot of independents as well. He smashed the paradigm. And so now people expect a different performance. They demand a different performance from these Republican candidates. Donald Trump did that. And he also did all the political blocking for these people so that they could feel fearless in going out there and pushing back. So finally, the battle has been joined, not just by one man, Donald Trump, but by hundreds of America First candidates fanned out all across the country. Last night, two other Republican stars were added to this list of Republicans who just blew away their Democratic competition. Lee Zeldin in New York and Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Let's start with Lee Zeldin. Full disclosure, Lee is a very good friend, and I hope he wins. Actually, he needs to win to save New York. And and based on his debate performance last night, I think he is going to be the next governor of New York. And in that case... The Empire State Restoration will begin on January 1st. He did a fantastic job last night. He just crushed his opponent, who is an accidental governor. You will recall that Andrew Cuomo got pushed out of the governorship uh, in just a a hail of of, uh, corruption. He got pushed out. And she was the lieutenant governor, so she stepped in. She is the accidental governor. She's always been a hack, and, uh, you know, you can be a hack in a deep blue state and get away with it because you've got the protection of the press, and the voters will just routinely vote for Democratic hacks as long as there is a D after their name. So she's been, like, skating through this job, up to her eyeballs in corruption, up to her eyeballs in skyrocketing costs, crushing taxes in New York, crushing regulations in New York, mandates out the wazoo. She is a psycho. And Lee Zeldin very calmly, very thoughtfully, crushed her with facts and a positive agenda. And all she could do was just dish lies and smirks. She had a big Hillary Clinton vibe going on last night. Pathetic. 
Take a listen to one of Zeldin's best moments of last night when they opened with crime. Violent crime in New York City and New York State is completely out of control, as it is in so many other places across the country. And it's out of control because you've got Soros prosecutors who just, it's a revolving door for violent criminals, cashless bail, which Cuomo and Hochul both supported. Hochul has not rescinded that. So cashless bail, again, revolving door, commit a violent crime. You're in jail for a couple of hours. You're back on the street by dinner time. Hochul supports that. It's all under the, the rubric of social justice. So Zeldin came at her and he absolutely nuked her on violent crime. Listen. But it's about getting the guns off the streets. That's the first start. We have more to do, but I'm the one to do it. Did you want to respond? Yeah. Yeah, of course. And unfortunately, Kathy Hochul believes that the only crimes that are being committed are these crimes with guns. And you, you have people who are afraid of being pushed in front of oncoming subway cars. They're being stabbed, beaten to death on the street with hammers. Go talk to the Asian American community and how it's impact them with the loss of lives. Jewish people targeted with raw, violent anti-Semitism on our streets. It just happened yet again. We need to be talking about all of these other crimes, but instead, Kathy Hochul's too busy patting herself on the back. Job well done. No, actually, right now, there should be a special session. The state legislature should come back and they should overhaul Castle's bail and these other pro-criminal laws with zero tolerance. But they're saying, elect me. She says, elect me. And then you'll find out where maybe I'll stand on this issue in January. Boom. Right? Boom. And then when he asked her why she refuses to lock up criminals, particularly violent criminals, she gave an unbelievable response. I mean, it, it was just beyond belief. Listen. We're halfway through the debate. She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. Okay. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important to you. All I know is... I cannot believe a sitting governor would actually say that. I can't believe you're so obsessed with locking up criminals. I cannot believe that those words came out of the mouth of a sitting governor in the middle of a massive crime wave of her creation. That was really the line of the night in that debate. Kathy Hochul has no intention of protecting the public from criminals who are roaming free and hurting and killing us on our streets and subways. And it's not just her, it's all of these blue state governors and blue state mayors who will not lift a finger, in fact, the exact opposite. Not only will they not lift a finger to correct the policies that are giving rise to this violent crime wave across America, but they're actively encouraging that violent crime by refusing to change those policies. We don't need to accept or tolerate this outrage And we don't have to live like this. Lee Zeldin said last night, we deserve better. It doesn't have to be this way. We are the empire state where New Yorkers are used to being number one in everything. Business and competition and sports, the Yankees and all of that. All of that has gone completely out the window under Kathy Hochul. And as New Yorkers, we should be like, oh, hell no. We're sick of every metric having the Empire State, 45, 48, 50 in the nation, education, higher high taxes, suffocating regulations. You name the metric, New York is like dead last or close to it. We don't have to live this way. We have a fantastic alternative in Lee Zeldin, and he did a tremendous job last night hitting her on violent crime, being anti-law enforcement and pro-criminal, putting all of New Yorkers in grave danger. He hit her on crushing taxes and regulation and the the sky-high cost of living in New York. He hit her on economic development, on her corruption. I mean, she's corrupt up to her eyeballs. He just took her apart. And she could just, all she could do was sit there with her Hillary Clinton vibe just this ridiculous smirk on her face and spew the usual leftist crap. She is a completely corrupt hack, but she's a hack operating in a deep blue state. So she doesn't need to be good, or at least she hasn't needed to be good until now.
And the fact that, you know, so many Democrats, especially in blue states, they've never had to answer a tough question because the press has always protected them and they've always just automatically got voted in. I don't care if you're talking about New York or Illinois, Massachusetts, California, Oregon, Washington State. It doesn't matter. Washington, D.C., they don't have to be good or smart or effective or competent. They don't need to be any of those things because they just automatically get elected. D after your name, you're in. And so when they're put in positions like this in a debate, and we're going to get to Fetterman here in a second, they are completely ill-equipped to answer the question. And they think that their hack lies will carry the day. Well, in a situation like we have in New York State and in America today, those hack lies no longer carry water. They no longer work. They might with a little segment of the population here and there, but overall, with independents that are going to sway this election, that kind of BS doesn't fly anymore. It's no longer sufficient. And she's going to learn that lesson on November 8th. Switching now to the Pennsylvania uh, Senate debate last night, which came an hour after the New York gubernatorial debate, it was Mehmet Oz versus John Fetterwoman. And I got to tell you, I mean, I have never seen anything like this in my life. The Democrats obviously have a fetish of running either senile or otherwise mentally incompetent people to run for high office. Joe Biden doesn't know what planet he's on. He's out there talking about how he's going to run again. And then you've got Fetterwoman in Pennsylvania who is, uh, listen, John Fetterman had a major stroke a couple of months ago, Okay. He belongs in a rehab facility, not in the U.S. Senate. He knows it. You know it. Everyone knows it. And yet, just like with Joe Biden, you've got his wife, Dr. Jill, pushing him constantly to run, to to get out there and make speeches, to do all of it because she's so power hungry. Well, in this case, Giselle Fetterwoman has also pushed this man on stage. I mean, guys... Ladies and and gentlemen, if your spouse were thinking about running and they were in this kind of debilitated condition, would you really allow them to do this? Would you want them to do it? It's cruel and unusual punishment, not just for them, but for the state and the country. This country is hanging by a thread and you want to send a completely debilitated guy into the U.S. Senate? He was a total train wreck. And again, he belongs in a care home where he can get the care that he needs, not in the Senate. I'm sorry, he is just not well. And he's not capable of doing this job. Listen to this nonsensical answer from him uh, when he was asked about, I I forget even the context, but he was asked, I think about inflation. And here is his garbled answer. Listen. Now, we, we all have to make sure that everyone that works is able to, that's, that's the most American bargain, that if you work full-time, you should be able to live in dignity as well, true. And I believe they haven't have any businesses being, being uh, you can't have businesses being subsidized by not paying ind- uh, individuals that just simply can't have to, to pay their own way. Just gobbledygook. People out there, whether it's talking about Biden or Fetterman, and I saw this on social media last night, they'll use the word sad. It's so sad. this, This is so sad to watch. No, I am sorry. We're talking about the highest offices in the land. This isn't sad, except maybe for his immediate family, Biden's immediate family. This is a source of absolute fury for the American people. The people of Pennsylvania with Fetterwoman, people of America looking at Joe Biden, we are angry. We're not sad. We're furious that this country is in this position because of them. More importantly with Fetterwoman, he is a complete communist nutter. 
He is anti-law enforcement, pro-criminal. He's all about letting murderers go free. And he's got a whole laundry list of communist issue items that he wants to push if and when he's elected to the U.S. Senate. But here is the moment that John Fetterwoman lost the Pennsylvania Senate race. You know, fracking is a huge issue in Pennsylvania. There are a lot of states in the Midwest um, and sort of the, the lower tier of the country, West Virginia and so on, that are big energy producing states. Pennsylvania is a big one. New York, too. Kathy Hochul is, is all about blocking that in the name of the environment and climate change. Well, Fetterwoman, uh, you know, in Pennsylvania, fracking is a huge issue. And he, in the past, has said that he opposes it, right? Now, in Pennsylvania, the reason it's so such a big issue is because Pennsylvania plays a huge role or could play an even bigger role in U.S. domestic energy production through fracking in a clean, environmentally safe way. The people in Pennsylvania support it. Why? Not just because it'll help bring energy prices down if we're producing more here at home, but because it will generate thousands of well-paying jobs in Pennsylvania. So Fetterman has said in the past that he opposes fracking, again, in the name of the religion of climate change. But recently, after seeing the polls, he has said that he now supports fracking. Hmm. So he was asked about it last night. He was asked about this huge flip-flop. Here's his response. I absolutely support fracking. In fact, I live across the street from a a steel mill, and they were going to frack to create their own energy in order to make them more competitive. And I support that, living closer to anybody else in Pennsylvania for fracking to myself. I believe that we need independence with energy, and I believe I've walked that line my entire career. I believe Democrats... Mr. Fetterman. A painful moment, okay? But that's the moment that he lost the Senate race. Good night, Irene. So we got Lee Zeldin is going to win the governorship in New York. And by the way, the polls close on November 8th in New York at, I think, 9 p.m. When those returns come in, if you see Lee Zeldin dominating this race, winning, or even coming close, you know we're in for a red tsunami across the rest of the country. Dr. Oz will be the next U.S. Senator from the state of Pennsylvania. One final big point about all of this, all of these Republican candidates, not just Zeldin and and Oz, but Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, all of them, these Republican candidates are being plastered by the left as threats to democracy because they dare to put America first. These Republican candidates are not threats to democracy. The actual threats to democracy are on the other side. They're the ones accusing them of being threats to democracy. Okay, it's all projection. But these candidates are not threats to democracy. They are threats to the establishment. They are threats to the uni party. They are threats to the deep state. And that's why they are coming under so much fire from the left, the Democrat communists, and the media. But I repeat myself. That's why. But I think Americans have had enough in every direction, in every state across America. And I think you're going to see all of these Republican candidates win. All right, when we come back, we are going to talk to a surprise guest who, as I've been saying, is a true superstar. He's a rising star in the Republican Party. And I think maybe someday go all the way to the top. You're going to hear it here first on the Monica Crowley podcast. So do not go anywhere. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double And the fruit filling in a donut are amazing, but they do not count toward the recommended five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Sorry to be the one to break it to you, but they don't. I don't always eat healthy either, but I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, 
eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens. Unlike other supplements, each fruit and each vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs, like the heart, lungs, kidneys, and the immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast and tastes so good. It's really delicious, guys, and you'll feel better with more energy And you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. I certainly noticed that in me since I started taking Field of Greens. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Well, I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time, ever since I saw him speak to a live audience. When I first saw a video of him speaking, I actually did a double take, and I thought, who is that? Because he absolutely blew me away, as he's blown away so many people with his brilliance, his faith, and his passion for putting America and Americans first right after God Almighty. Mark Robinson is the Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, the first black Lieutenant Governor of North Carolina, and he is the future of the Republican Party. I've been teasing this conversation with him for quite a while because he is an absolute rock star. He's got a brand new book out. It is dynamite. It's called We Are the Majority, The Life and Passions of a Patriot. It's out now, so everybody, please go get it and help me welcome the Dynamite Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson. Lieutenant Governor, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you and I met last week in Nashville at the Huckabee Show, and I I have to tell the audience that I fangirled when I met you because I've been a huge admirer of yours for quite a while, ever since I first saw you speak. There is so much I want to get to with you today, but let's start with you because you do write about your story in this new book, We Are the Majority, and I find your story absolutely fascinating. It's such an American dream story. You write about how you grew up poor, in and out of foster care in Greensboro, North Carolina, the ninth of 10 children. Can you talk to us about what that childhood was like? And did you feel a calling, even as a child, to be lifted out of those circumstances? Well, you know, I talk about uh, the way that I describe it. Sometimes people think would think that it was the worst thing in the world. That it was horrible, that it was a uh, something that uh, was absolutely intolerable and some of it you know was was some of it was uh, something that nobody should ever have to witness or go through but uh, when I think about my childhood it's gonna sound odd to some people when I think about my childhood it's all smiles for me because uh, you know we had what we needed in our household we didn't have everything that we wanted and surely there were things that that happened in our household that shouldn't happen but we had the absolute essentials uh, we had uh, parents who loved us, and we had each other, and so uh, we had we had uh, uh, we made what we could out of our childhood, and it was a good childhood. We have great memories from our childhood, and yes, I did from the very very beginning. It's funny you ask me that because a friend of mine, we were talking about that at the gym this morning. We talked about uh, the fact that when we were growing up, we were poor, but we never begrudged being poor. We, we were never angry in our poverty. We never looked around and thought, this is not fair. This is not right. Even when I would go off and go to my friend's house, school classmates' houses, who had much better houses than I did, you know, lived in very nice neighborhoods. Uh, when I left those homes, I was eager to go back to my house. And when I got there, I, I would always think the same thing. You know, one day I'm going to be, I'm going to live in a house like that. One day I'm going to be able to you know, uh, afford those things. And I'm going to have a family that's going to, you know, live in a home uh, like that. So it was always an aspiration of mine to move past uh, the poverty that I lived in, but I never begrudged the the poverty that I lived in. We always, uh, we look back on those times with, 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 you know, with a lot of smiles. 
because you were truly blessed and because you had, you know, God in your heart and God with you all the way and that recognition that the Lord was with you all the way. You know, you write about too, uh, Mark, in We Are the Majority, you write about how you grew up with an abusive alcoholic father in a rat infested home on the wrong side of the tracks in Greensboro, North Carolina. But then you write about how you served in the U.S. military. How did that shape you, that experience? Yes. Well, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was just something that ate in me. or I don't, I'm not really sure. But I, I, from the youngest age, I'm always uh, fascinated with, with the military. I was always fascinated with police, uh, fire, all of that. I guess like most young men. And I grew up with a desire to be a soldier at some point. And uh, so, uh, you know, joining the military and being in, even though I was only in, you know, I was only in the military for a short time, I was a reservist. Uh, it taught me a lot of things. Uh, but I, the main thing that I took away from the military, my military experience is this, is the tremendous sacrifice that men and women make when they join uh, those, those organizations, when they join the military. It is a tremendous sacrifice to serve in our military. And I, we have men and women who do that for decades. They, they dedicate their lives to it. And, and being there and seeing uh, the sacrifice that it takes to be a part of, of, the, of, of the military really will open your eyes and, and let you see that, uh, you know, it is, is, it's a tremendous sacrifice. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I honor our military so much and uh, those folks serving it. You know, God bless you for doing that. And I I agree. I've long been a huge supporter of the U.S. military. I honor you and your service. And it's also the families of people who are serving as well. They may not put on the uniform, but they're serving the country in the military as well. Um, You know, Mark, you write in this book also, and, and this is so critical for the service that you're providing today for the people of North Carolina and for the country. You write about how you lost your factory job you're working in a factory you lost that job and your home after nafta this was bill clinton in the 1990s signed the trade deal and those jobs started to be exported around the world primarily to to china but also to mexico and and elsewhere those american jobs left and that you were then you, you know you took a job to support your family at a sabaro's pizza you know, so you, you've really been through the school of hard knocks, but you've also seen the direct and immediate impact of policies, government policies that have really uh, put the American people on their back heel. Talk to us about uh, that process. You were working in a factory, all of a sudden NAFTA is signed, those jobs are gone, and you lose almost everything. Yeah, that's true. You know, a lot of that, a lot of that is true. And, you know, a lot of things, a lot of factors play into that, into those, uh, into those uh, things that I went through in those early days. It wasn't just, you know, uh, the major thing was uh, the, the impact that NAFTA had on that from the furniture industry here in North Carolina. I mean, it decimated the industry and really brought it to its knees. But there were a lot of other things, uh, factors that played into it, too. And I lo- and I like to talk to people about those things, too. You know, we made a lot of mistakes financially in our personal lives that, that caused that as well. And uh, it was just a perfect storm of things that really taught me a great deal of lessons, uh, not just on the government end, but on the personal end as well, as to uh, what type of responsibilities we have to our to our households and what type of the what type of responsibility the government has to ensure that our households can continue to continue to thrive. Uh, I think the, the better example of the NAFTA really coming home to roost for me was not the first example, uh, certainly with Klausner Furniture, where I worked first. Uh, that, that business was certainly decimated by, the, by, uh, uh, by NAFTA, but it was able to survive. Uh, the second uh, furniture place that I worked at was called Steelcase, and it was in High Point, employing some 300 people uh, 300 to 350 people. And, uh, that, that place, it moved to Mexico. I mean, they just literally pulled the rug out of the, uh, from underneath the, the, the workforce there. And one of the bad things about it was many of these people had worked there decades. This was not a, a, a young workforce. This was a workforce in its forties and its fifties that was counting on that industry to be able to retire. And they had the, the rug snatched out from underneath them. And that, that came directly from bad federal policy. 
from the United States of America uh, passing bad federal policy that would affect workers at the front door level. And so uh, we have definitely learned that lesson. And it's one of the things that drives us and moves us forward uh, because we want to continue to push for legislation that's going to protect American workers, uh, not put them under the gun like that legislation did. Yes, absolutely. And because you've been through this life experience, Mark, you, you saw it firsthand, not just with your own family, but with your community. You know, you write yes. about um, in, in this book, We Are the Majority, you write about how all of these things led you to embrace God. And I do want to talk in a little bit about your faith. But it also led you to reject the religion of government handouts and victimization. Tell us how you got there. Well, that's plain and simple. My mom set that standard for us. And I really believe that. I mean, you know, my mom, I I tell that story about my mom. My mom, uh, when my father died, I was 12. uh, I had uh, four siblings in the house with me. My mom was left. She could have easily just been uh, what we what we commonly refer to as a welfare queen. She could have just lived off welfare, but she didn't. She didn't want my mom didn't want to sell for that. She went to work, and when my mom went to work, I saw how her working improved our lives. And when I say it improved our lives, I don't mean it improved our lives a little bit. Our lives went like a like a rocket ship. The things that I had seen, many of my friends and classmates have colored televisions. And, homes with air conditions, new homes and, and the cars. And I mean, my mom was able to obtain those things because she was willing to work for them. And that's that standard in my life. You know, that standard that said, you know, you don't need to sit around and wait on the government. You don't need to be a victim. You don't need to sit down with a woe is me attitude. You need to get out and you need to work. And my mom had very little skills, working skills. I mean, she was a custodian. That's what she did. But, uh, she stepped up in a mighty way. And, I, you know, me seeing that and seeing how it worked and seeing that principle applied, something I've applied to my life uh, ever since. Is your mother still with us? No, my mom died in 2016. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, I'm sorry to hear that because she sounds like just an absolutely incredible woman. So, Mark, you know, you're you're going along. You're a God fearing, conservative, blue collar man who posted political memes to Facebook in between shifts. And then one day you stood up at the Greensboro City Council and you gave a thunderous off-the-cuff speech. This is the speech that I saw, and I recommend everybody go and YouTube Mark Robinson's uh, Greensboro City Council speech. Tell us what happened that day. What inspired you to get up and just speak from your heart and your soul? Well, you know, we, uh, uh, as you mentioned, everything that I was doing politically at that time was on Facebook. That's how I was politicking. I was very, very busy at that time. I was uh, working full time at a place called Davis Furniture. uh, And I was uh, going to school at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, well on my way to attaining a uh, bachelor's degree in history uh, with plans of trying to become a history professor. So in my personal life, I was very busy. But uh, whenever I could find time, I was politicking on Facebook. You know, I just said, making memes, making social commentary. And, um, had, had quite a few followers. I think I maybe had about 15,000 followers at the time on, on social media. And uh, when I woke up one morning, uh, I was planning on buying an AR-15. I'd been planning on buying one for a while, saving a little money to buy one. It's going to go to Greensboro Gun Show and get it. And uh, I looked up, watching the news one morning before work, and they were talking about canceling the gun show in Greensboro. And the exact words were, in light of the events in Florida, meaning the school shooting in Florida. Uh, And so uh, I heard that and I automatically got, I mean, I got hot. I was incensed. And I thought, how in the world are they going to punish me because of what this guy did down in Florida? And so uh, the next day I heard, uh, or actually actually that, that evening on the news I heard, they said they could not cancel the gun show. The city council didn't have the power. That power rested only with the, uh, Coliseum manager. So the next morning when I was on my, again, uh, getting ready for work, uh, came on the news and said that evening they were going to have a special meeting about gun violence. And being pretty politically savvy, uh, pretty pretty uh, politically aware, I knew exactly what that meant. I meant that they were going to pack that hall with college students and high school students 
we're going to go down there and yak in that Coliseum guy's ear about how terrible guns were so we can cancel that meeting. And so as I went to work, I thought, you know, I need to go to the meeting. And uh, I was I was conflicted because I, you know, I, I said, you know, I, I go, but I can't speak. I don't have time to write anything. You know, I'm used to writing speeches down uh, and, and delivering them. That's how I've done speeches in the past. And I said, I just don't have time. You know, I've got to work 10 hours a day. But ultimately, I thought about it and I thought, you know, I've done all this talking on Facebook. Uh, it would not make any sense to have a chance to go down and have my uh, show my face in the place, so to speak, when something's really happened and not take that chance. And so uh, I decided to go, wasn't going to speak. Uh, but when I got there and heard some of the things that I heard, it, it really got up underneath my skin and I decided to speak. And uh, the rest, as they say, I guess is history. <laughs> well, that speech certainly changed your life forever. I've been in those moments where I'm either writing or speaking, Mark, where the words just come you have nothing yep. prepared. I mean, most of the time on this podcast, <laughs> the words just come. But, yep. you know, it it is, if you are a believer, as I am, and I know you are, it really is God working through you. God gives you the yes. words and the passion to deliver the message that needs to be said. But you're right, that speech did change your life forever. And it gave you grassroots support that that carried you to victory in 2020 as North Carolina's lieutenant governor. You literally became an overnight America first hero. What surprised you most about politics? Because you had never done any of this before. I think there's a few things that really surprised me about it. The number one thing I think surprised me about is actually how you know, people say politics is a dirty business. It is. It's a very dirty business. But um, the thing that surprised me the most about it is uh, just how, uh, I'm almost say convoluted it is, but just how how difficult it is to navigate political waters. I mean, there's so much that you have to take into consideration. You know, not when you talk about, not talking about uh, uh, compromising your values or compromising your principles. Uh, but just so it, the waters are just so uh, choppy and just so difficult to navigate. That's, I think that's the one thing that surprised me the most is that you just uh, you really have to be uh, you have to be strong. You have to be wise. You have to be cautious. Uh, you have to be leery. You have to be suspicious and you have to do it all at once. <laughs> yeah, all at once in order to make the right moves, because you. And, and you have to do it because you have to understand that, you know, um, what you're ultimately trying to do is serve the people. Okay, Lieutenant Governor, please stand by. We've got a lot more to cover with you straight ahead. But first, listen up, guys. I know how hard it can be to eat healthy every day and how easy it is to forget to eat the doctor-recommended six cups of fruit and six cups of veggies every day, which is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is powered with a full spectrum of essential vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics. This is what I need to stay healthy, and you need it too. Field of Greens works fast and tastes delicious. And if you're like me, you'll have more energy, you'll feel healthier, your skin will look healthier, and it can even help you lose weight. So join me and take Field of Greens too. To help you get started, I got you 15% off your very first order and another 10% off when you subscribe. So visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. Again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. We are back with North Carolina Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, a true rising political star. So, Mark, you've been through all these experiences, and obviously all of those things prepared you for the responsibilities that that come with this job. What does leadership mean to you? It's uh, leadership is service. I mean, that's that's how you're supposed to lead. You lead through service. You know, it's uh, we see that right now. We see, we see it right now at our federal level with the current president. Our current president, is, he is, he is not, he's not leading uh, because he's not properly serving the nation. 
he is he is serving uh, the climate change cabal. He is serving communist China. Uh, he is serving his party, but he is not serving the, the people of the United States of America. Uh, serving the United States of America would mean making sure that our border is secure, making sure that we are energy independent, making sure that our enemies know that if they step across the line that we're going to handle them. And, and uh, uh, serving the people of the United States of America would be making sure that our economy is firing on all cylinders. That sounds like someone that we just had as president who was actually serving the American people, Donald Trump. Uh, he was leading uh, the nation by serving. President Trump had, he as, 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 as Donald Trump the citizen, he had no reason whatsoever, no reason whatsoever to step up and run for president other than to serve the American people. And that's exactly what he did. And that's what uh, elected officials in this nation, in, in the nation, states and cities, that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be citizen uh, uh, leaders, servants, people who are there to serve uh, the populations that elected them into office. And far too often, we don't have that. What we have are people who are serving special interests, serving their own interests, and are there in those offices trying to get rich and trying to get reelected. And we can't have that anymore. And we definitely don't ever want to fall into that trap ourselves. So a leadership to me means service. And it's service to your constituents and to the country and to the That's principles right. that the country was founded on that made this the greatest country in the world. You know, Mark, we've got That's a problem right. of a uni party. So you, you and I often talk about and do battle with the Democrat communists, but in many ways, the establishment Republicans who join them in in the swamp and join them in these in these states across the country in torpedoing a America and Americans' interests, that's also a huge problem. So how do you deal with not just the Democrat communists in your state, but also the Republican establishment that is also on the same side as the Democrat communists in many ways? How do you do battle with that? It's just, it's simple. We're going to have to simply call them out. We're going to have to call them out. It's not going to be a matter of saying, hey, He's a member of my party. I'm not going to say anything bad about him. There, there, there comes a time when you have to st- step up and say, look, this person is not doing what they need to do. Uh, not only, not, only do, not, not doing what they should do by our party and what we stand for, but they're not doing right by the country. And we're going to have to make a change there. And you have to step up and you have to encourage people, uh, good candidates to run. And you have to support those candidates and you have to remove those people from office because, um, the bottom line is this. There's a stark difference between Democrats and Republicans. The platforms. There's a, there's a stark difference between what we stand for. The problem is far too many Republicans go into office and capitulate to the Democrats in order to keep their, safe, in order to keep their seats, right. in order to be safe, in order to obtain positions of so-called leadership within inside of whatever, uh, whatever they serve, whether it be the House or the Senate. They want to climb up that ladder. And uh, so they play it safe. They don't push hard. They don't push back against the agenda and they go along to get along. Can't have that anymore. We need strong leaders who are going to stand up, say what needs to be said and push the legislation that needs to be pushed in order to keep this country strong and keep the citizens safe. Yes. And of those who don't do it, we need to run them out of the party quite that that's it and we need fearlessness right so donald trump showed us the way on how to be fearless how to create a new right in this country that is unafraid of the press or what you know your local paper would say or what the new york times or or the washington post might say about you he showed us the way to be fearless and you've got people like governor desantis in florida you got carrie lake running out in arizona where they're just constantly pushing back against uh, the the propaganda press and the fake news uh, narratives, but also what's driving that, that sense of intimidation, trying to silence you. Anybody who knows you, Mark, knows that you are not to be silenced and you will not. You will stand up for your family, your country, and God. That's, that's exactly right. That's, what we, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to stop letting these news agencies push us around. We need to stop letting these weak-kneed Republicans lead us, uh, uh, lead us down rabbit holes. And we need to start standing up, declaring, uh, really declaring what we believe in. Because I'm going to be honest with you, what we believe in is right. It's right. It's proven right here in North Carolina. Uh, Since 2010, since Republicans took over here in North Carolina, 
this country has had a t- this that this state has had a complete turnaround economically, complete turnaround. We can do the same thing in education in this state. We can do the same thing socially in this state. The same thing is true in this country. When President Trump stepped up, became president, put America first, and America and put the principles that made America great first again. This country was firing on all cylinders. We see now that we have a president that's doing the exact opposite. Look where we are now. Well, Look where we are. That's exactly right. Um, talk to us a little bit, Mark, about the role of faith. Uh, what does God mean to you? How does he guide you? I mean, I always say God is never late. He's always right on time. So he has put you exactly where you need to be right now in the state of North Carolina, um, doing what the Lord intended you to do. Talk about how he inspires you and gives you that courage. Well, you know, I always say, you know, I'm a work, I'm a work in progress. We all are. Yeah, we're, I'm a work in progress, but I can tell you this right now, man, I, I I look back on how I used to be and I think, my God, I have come a long way. I got a long way to go, but I sure have come a long way. And uh, I'm reminded every day that I need to continue to uh, try to adhere to, to his will because there's far too many times, uh, you know, when I get in my flesh and I get out of, get out of his will and don't do what he wants me to do. But in my job, where I, with the job that I'm doing, uh, I always take a step back and make sure that I put that first and that I consult him first before I make any statements or make any moves or, or, or anything that I do. Uh, I, I give you a great example of that. Um, back a few months back, uh, earlier in the year, there were a ton of people who came to me and really, really wanted me to run for the Senate position here in North Carolina. Uh, and some of those people were, were very well-meaning people who had a great deal of confidence in me. And the very first thing that I did was I went and I talked to my wife and I prayed about it. And I, and uh, uh, at first I got no answer. And then uh, it just came to me like a ton of bricks that it was not the thing that I was supposed to do. And it wasn't even after that, it wasn't even a question anymore. I still had people who were tugging on me, pulling on me, tugging on me and pulling on me. But it was never a God where it was never a question of whether I should do it or not. I knew in my spirit God had given me the answer that I should not do it. That was not the road He wanted me to take. And uh, I think that had had I not been grounded in faith, I may have made that decision, and I think it would have been the exact wrong one. And I think I would have found myself in a place right now where I don't think I would be very happy. Uh, 100%. And, you know, I've made decisions where I haven't consulted him. And God has literally been screaming at me, this is not of me. Do not do this. This is not the path I have lined up for you. And I went and did it anyway out of vanity or whatever. And Mm, it it turned out to be a mess. It was was not the right thing. So, you know, some people call it instinct. We as believers know that it's God trying to talk to you and, and it's just leaning into leaning your ear and your soul into what he's trying to tell you. Um, do you, have you consulted with the Lord about running for governor of North Carolina? I have, I have done that. I have. And, uh, 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 I, I have already gotten that answer and, uh, uh, I, I, and uh, it's just a matter of, uh, let people know what that answer is. Do you want to share that here today? I, I cannot share that here today. <laughs> uh, that's something, you know, you know, politics, politics is all about time. It's all about time. And uh, right now is not the right time to share that with folks on uh, what we've decided on that. Uh, but that time is coming where we're going to we're going to tell folks what our, what our plans are and how, uh, moving forward. Uh, right now, we are just really concerned about these midterm elections and don't want to do anything to take the focus off those midterms because this is so crucial it's so crucial for us to get a super majority here at north carolina so crucial for us to take back the house and senate on the federal level and so crucial for us to to put uh, conservative people in every seat that we can across the state and across the nation so we don't want to do anything to uh, to uh detract from that or distract from that 
But uh, the time to make that announcement will be coming soon. Well, when you are ready to make that announcement one way or the other, I hope you'll come back on the show and share that with us, Mark. And yeah, I- we definitely will. Oh, good. Well, honestly, I think you may very well be president of the United States someday. You really are that good. Any interest in that top job someday? No, not no, not even looking at, not even looking towards that. We're just. Uh, you know, we just got our eyes focused right now, again, focus on these midterms, focus on uh, being lieutenant governor. And uh, the next steps, whatever they are that God would have me to take, we'll see as we go down the road. Well, we may have to draft you for president someday. So get ready, Mark. You have no choice. <laughs> and, you know, with, with God, all things are possible, as we know. That's right. Well, you're certainly, uh, Mark, a living example of that and a living example of the American dream. Mark Robinson, he is the lieutenant governor of North Carolina. He's also the author of the brand new book, We Are the Majority, The Life and Passions of a Patriot. Go get it right now. You will love it. And I'm telling you, he is the future of the party. Get to know Mark Robinson. He's an absolute superstar. Thank you, lieutenant governor. God bless you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. You too. Thanks so much, Mark. Okay, your emails coming up. First, though, with the consumer price index going up yet again, the stock market has been very volatile. Don't bury your head in the sand while your savings is getting decimated. Do something about it. Text Monica to 989-898, and Birch Gold Group will send you a free info kit on protecting your savings with gold in a tax-sheltered account. These are great people with almost 20 years' experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs. Don't allow the left to devalue your savings with inflation. Text Monica to 989-898 and claim your free no obligation info kit from Birch Gold. Again, you can own physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account, and Birch Gold will help you do it. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers. So check them out right now. Text Monica to 989-898 and secure your future with gold. Do it today. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, time now for the Wednesday email bag. Don't forget to send me an email to Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. John writes about my complaint on Monday's show about inflation, and in particular, my complaint that a small package of pre cut cauliflower was a whopping nine bucks. Monica, take personal responsibility for your vegetable shopping. There are good deals on produce out there. And to be clear, you need to do your own prep. Enjoy the fresh veggies while you can. If the Marxist Maoist Democrats have their way, there will be a scarcity of everything, including cauliflower. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. My two dogs require long walks. You were on the top of my content list when we hit the trails. Thanks for delivering the unvarnished truth about our uniparty political system. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for the nice words, John. And I am thrilled that you're enjoying this show so much. You absolutely made my day with this note. As for taking responsibility for my vegetable shopping... You are correct, although I will say in my defense, uh, on Monday's show, I did cop to being lazy and not wanting to buy an entire head of cauliflower and cut it up myself. (laughs) Then I saw the cost of my laziness would be $9, so I put the cauliflower back and bought some cheaper zucchini spaghetti. That was me taking responsibility for my vegetable shopping. John, you need to know that uh, boiling some zucchini is about as much cooking as I do. So it's a miracle I even do that. Cutting up a whole cauliflower head, which I've been uh, known to do. I have done it in the past, but that night I was so tired and it was a bridge too far. But so was paying nine bucks for a pre-cut cauliflower. (laughs) 
These are the decisions that we all have to make in Biden's America thanks to Biden inflation. Thanks a lot, Mr. President. Okay, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for being here and for checking out our terrific sponsors. Grateful for that. Have a terrific end to your week, and I will see you right back here on Friday with another huge show. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.